Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. Today, David Morrison and I sit down and discuss uh, worship, the different stages of worship, um, how it was part of his past and his spiritual walk, as well as how it is it is interwoven into Christ- the Christianity experience. But before we do that, thank you, Diego, at Recording Moving Studios uh, for your editing of this episode, as, long, as well as your sound engineering. Jacob at Monk Drums, thank you, sir. Uh, In the background, you can hear Monk Drums. Check them out at monkdrums.com. If you'd like to learn more about Desert Rain as a community or uh, read any of David's musings and theology, check out theruin.com. If you want to hear other episodes, drcrpod.com is where you can find those. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please tell a friend that helps us out immensely. Uh, Also, leaving a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we appreciate you and let's get into it. Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. Hello. Hi. Hey, what's up? Salutations. Yes, sir. Uh, we're back. Uh, we are going to. Last week we looked at faith through um, Brian McLaren's paradigm of simplicity, complexity, perplexity, and harmony, and sort of uh, made comparisons to Desert Rain, um, to your personal uh, spiritual walk, and. The, the natural question that comes from that is what's next? Yeah. You know, we, we've constructed a faith. Uh, maybe we have some kind of crisis of faith and, deconstru- and it, it, there's a deconstruction. So post-deconstruction and I think more importantly through that healing or reconstruction of something, uh, what can someone do with that? Yeah. So what, yeah, what, what is your faith look like, if anything, after a mm-hmm. deconstruction, I guess. And, and I think we've referenced it before. Uh, Phyllis Tickle and her material and her speaking would often talk about her bishop. I think his name was Dreyer or Dyer. <laughs> <laughs> We're really good with names here, as, as you heard in the yeah. intro. <laughs> uh, we'll correct it at the beginning. Uh, it's been about 15 years since I've read this stuff. Uh yeah, where he compares to a deconstruction, whether it's on a personal level or, a, you know, a collective level, a mass mm, level. Right. Uh, as a church having a uh, a, um, a rummage sale. Okay. So, you, so yeah. you pull everything out of your belief box, you know, the virgin birth uh, or the belief that if I don't share Jesus with this person on the airplane and the airplane goes down and they go to hell. It's all on me. It's, it's on you. Yeah, and you tell that shoulders. to a six-year-old kid in Sunday school. Uh, yeah, that, that'll make someone neurotic. <laughs> yeah, that was told to my wife in Sunday school, uh, to Marsha. Yeah. Uh, no. Good times, you know. Yeah, we did. We, we actually went over the rummage. So I don't remember if it was last week or the week before. Yeah, we, I'm sure I've referenced yeah. I reference it quite a bit because it's a great, you know, so you pull these things out. And look, it's a big mess on the parking lot of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get rid of, there's so many 
things you get rid of. They, they have no use for you anymore. They don't and, serve you anymore. And sometimes those, that's the hardest part. Yeah. Because it seems scary. I know for me, uh, physical possessions, but also ideas. Right. Letting go of either of those two things can be um, like I, I'll hold on to things 10 years before right. that. And I don't use them, but there's some made up sentiment uh, around it. Exactly. And so I think for ideas, that can be just as scary. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, because we most of us live our lives under the illusion that uh, I am my ideas. My very identity mm-hmm. is made up of the ideas that I hold, the beliefs that I hold. And, and that's an, that needs to come unraveled. That mm-hmm. is a necessary uh, evolution of faith that needs to happen. Uh, whether you're a scientist uh, or, or, you know, even an atheist even mm-hmm. or, or a theist, it doesn't matter. Um, your preconceived notions need to, to become uh, critiqued. They have to be critiqued. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it's the you and I have talked about this off microphone, but it might fit here. Uh, no country for old men. Cormac uh, McCarthy wrote right, it, yeah. and the Cohen brothers made a, an amazing movie ap- adaptation. But the the bad guy, if you will, Anton Anton, scariest um, guy in all <laughs> literature and film, next to Kathy Ames of John Steinbeck's East of Eden. <laughs> Uh, he asked, there's a question right before he he takes someone out. I'll keep it vague, so no spoilers, even though it's a 20-year-old movie. Yeah. Uh, he asked, um, if all your ideas, and this is paraphrasing, this is an exact quote, but basically, if all your ideas got you to this point, what good were those ideas? Yeah. You know, and I think in this conversation, that's true for, if we don't critique our ideas from time to time, um, they can they can stop working for us, and we would we'll be totally oblivious yeah, to it, yeah. you know. Because I think the critique part also brings out like, oh, I need to keep this one, and maybe go deeper. On yeah, this as exactly. Well. The rummage cell does that as well. Yeah, because there's a tendency when you're in that uh, critical thinking mode, there's a, there's a a tendency to slip into cynicism. Mm. And, and and if you slip into cynicism, yeah. then then there's you know, there's no wonder to the universe anymore. Mm-hmm. Everything is a is a gimmick. Uh, everyone's motives are spurious. We're all going to uh, be dead in a hundred years anyway. Yeah. So then you end up in a worse place mm-hmm. than you were because the world is is more constricted than it ever was. Yeah, it's lost rather its than magic. widening for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it should be expanding for you, and and so it's so so you should be able to pick up an old idea that you let go of and it, and because you have changed, mm. the idea has changed as a different, uh, and, and that's not to say that's true for every single, but I'm not putting out a formula. Right. There are some people that need to walk away from their, uh, birth church. That, that might be a controversial thing to well, say, but maybe they need to walk away and, and maybe you need to, uh, be okay with that. Yeah. I mean, because there are, I mean, there's just, this is an extreme example, but, uh, what is it? The Westboro Baptist Church. They're the ones. Yeah, that, yeah. Know, the, it's a cult, at, and that's at an the extreme. Um, but one of the daughters walked away, and you know, has written a book about it, and, and some right. the, and these things. But it doesn't have to be a cultish type level. No, no. Where you 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 wake up one morning, and you might go back. Yeah, you, yeah. Leave it open. That's that. That was my experience in a roundabout way. I'm not. 
completely plugged back into the Catholic Church, but I'm not is um, I was staunchly anti-Catholic Church for a long time yeah. because of the quote-unquote hypocrisies I saw in it. Well, no, there are hypocrisies there. but Yeah, they have a real—yeah, there's a real problem. <laughs> but I was more—the <laughs> problem was I was—it was reflecting the hypocrisies that I had, mm, yeah. and it made me uncomfortable, so I made them the bad guy. Yeah, and that's easy to you do. Know, yeah. Well, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is when I meet with people one-on-one who are in the deconstruction phase or even past it— I, I don't have an expectation on them, and I let them know that, mm. to have a, a, a regeneration of faith or a reconstruction of faith. The, it may stay at yeah. this deconstructive level, yeah. okay. and maybe gardening is now their faith, if you will. Yeah. Or, uh, uh, or camping. Or camping, Being yeah. Maybe that's nature. their contemplation now. Yeah, their, uh, uh, their cathedral becomes the forest. Yeah, yeah. And, and they still volunteer at soup kitchens. They still, uh, you know, so it's not a self-indulging kind mm. of thing. They still see meaning and purpose and seek that out for themselves yeah. uh, for the, in service of others. Because you can never have, I, I think that is a sure saying, uh, that uh, you, you really can't have a whole lot of meaning in your life without service of some sort to others. I mean, that's been, I mean, we just, I mean, we covered it two or three shows ago with yeah. my recovery. Yeah, there. exactly. There, yeah. The person I am today is only because of service. Yeah. And that speaks for, I, I know personally people who have complete disabilities, physical disabilities and mental disabilities, and they find a way to serve somehow. So I'm not even talking about. Well, if you, yeah, yeah if you get, if if you want to search that hypothesis, if, you, if you're skeptical of what David just said, uh, if you look into uh, the Larsh community. Right, exactly. That's a perfect example of, of um, people with different handicaps yeah. serving, quote unquote, able-bodied people. Yeah. And really changing their I, life. I've met dying people in their 90s, completely stroked out. Uh they lie in bed most of the day, but they pray for the life of the world. Mm. That's a service right there. And that mm. goes out like ripples, pebble in, in water. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah. So all that. So, so yeah. So, so to kind of get refocused here, uh, I think, I think the path we would like to go down and, and we can either do both or one, we can just kind of see where it goes. But sure. within this deconstruction period, so that so if we're using Brian McLaren's terminology, that would be the the space in between complexity and perplexity, um, or, or, or perplexity in, and harmony. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There, and I just saw another paradigm of another book, uh, Sarah Bessie. Yeah, go ahead. A share, Canadian. Yeah, share that. A uh, bit. She's the editor of a book of several authors of prayer called Rhythm of Prayer, mm. and the, and it's entirely structured on orientation. Disorientation and re and re in ah, reorientation. Okay, and and that's a good model. And then of course Richard Rohr has a book out right now. Order, disorder, yeah. reorder. So and so and so I think it's important for us to point those things out in the sense that there's a bunch of different ways to explain right. what we're talking about. And um, for the listener, if you want to research this more, look into it personally more. Find the paradigm yeah. that fits your. Uh, where you're at today. Yeah, exactly. Don't try to fit yourself into, because there's so many paradigms, you can find one that serves you best. Um, and we're just, we're just, I mean, uh, 
we're barely scraping the surface of this stuff. So, yeah, exactly. Um, so this idea of, of evangel, uh, evangelism and worship, um, I think it's those are pretty straightforward ideas when you're in the the simplicity and complexity phases. Right. You go to church, you show up on Sunday, you do the Bible study Sunday night or Wednesday night. You do, you know, there it's pretty laid out. There's a blueprint yeah, there. Yeah. But I think the thing that you and I kind of have have pondered about and and uh, you you've definitely brought to my attention obviously being more connected in in the the church world context when you get to this place of perplexity and harmony uh, the blueprint for worship and evangelism i don't think is as straightforward yeah those are probably two of the big things that the pillars if you will mm-hmm. that begin to lose their sheen or even crack or even crumble completely in our in our, uh, if you've grown up in church or if you've been in church, and the those are the two things that uh, you tend to let go of first, uh, because they seem so so empty. Mm. Um, so maybe you know, and I'm I'm being very reductionist here, but but it's for the sake of time. So so maybe in a stage one faith of simplicity, you sing songs and worship God because God demands it. So we're going to focus on worship right now. Sure, okay. why not? Okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll just the worship of. Yeah, okay. It's the most controversial of. Okay, perfect. Uh, you mess with the worship of a church, you 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 could uh, you, you can cause get, all kinds of problems. The uh, they'll burn you at the stake. Yeah, so to speak. you mess with the music, then you get the horns, uh, <laughs> as the principal said. Uh, <laughs> and so so yeah so you so maybe you begin with a, a more simpler. Uh, Thing you know, God demands this, the that singing, you, right? And, the and that you okay. worship no others, you know, and 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 then and then maybe the second stage of um, complexity. God enjoys this. God mm. likes it when you sing songs to God, and uh, and and then uh, yeah, so until the point where uh, uh, Jesus dies of boredom, like you said last week. Yeah, so then that would be yeah. So that was my personal. Perplexity, and keep in mind, I went from childhood mass, Catholic mass, to which was very reverent, mm-hmm. or very reverent kind of worship, to and almost subdue as far as the music is concerned. Yeah, and in the particular parish I went to, that we didn't even have a choir most of the time. Oh wow! Okay. And when a couple of people would volunteer to sing, we were glad they would stop singing. <laughs> it was so terrible. You cheered really loud, but not yeah. because of the And our the priest did not event. chant the mass. Uh, okay. He was a, he was an anti-Vatican II Irishman. So, yeah. you know, he was... He would slip into Latin on accident, exactly. so to speak. <laughs> he was resentful that he had to face the crowd. <laughs> he was resentful about that. He was resentful. He actually had a sign up in the when we would dress up for the... To put on the yeah yeah the, for altar. the altar service yeah there was a sign for visiting priests we do not do the sign of uh, greeting the sign of peace wow. <laughs> we do not do that here wow so he you know so so I went from he some was, serious depression yeah it was yeah. kind of the equivalence it was the spiritual equivalent of my mom uh, uh, shaming me for looking at the Sears catalog under women's <laughs> the, underwear the section, the section at the age of eleven <laughs> yeah the bra section. Uh, 
we're talking some serious repression, yeah, yeah, yeah. Irish repression here. So to go uh, from that to the vineyard type worship. To, yeah, to totally jumping different. up and down in the early 90s, literally barking like a dog, clucking like a chicken, uh, <laughs> making goat noises, etc. Uh, yeah, that's we 180 did that. degree. Yeah. I can't even I guess that imagine. was my teenage rebellion, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but it was very freeing, you know, because it was this, the music was, was at the time in the 90s had a folk rock sound. Uh, and there's something to moving your body and dancing yeah. in spiritual terms. Yeah. There's, there's, I've learned that later than you know than earlier in my yeah. life but there's something about dancing or moving and lifting your hands yeah there's something shouting. about moving the body yeah for sure so and we would be accused of that by stage one churches that's just emotionalism and i would mm. say of course it is yeah i want to worship god with my emotions mm-hmm. and uh and the sermon is for my mind mm. uh but i want to worship god with my body and yeah. and and my emotions, and 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 so yeah, so we did that, you know, and shout. You show up to church down and depressed from the circumstances of the week. You could mm. you could shout it out uh, emotionally, have an emotional Move cathartic feeling. Yeah, yeah cathartic. and it comes out of your body, okay. and it it was it was very good uh, until it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, I still think it's valuable. I think it's mm-hmm. valuable to sing and cry. Um, it's just the motive changed for me. So, mm. so okay. Uh, so yeah, let's explore that. What, what, what was that motive change? For me, it feels empty that Jesus needs me to tell him that I love him, and it feels empty for me now to say those words. It feels like a hallmark card. It feels. Even if you said it with meaning, because I know you love yeah. Jesus. That, that, the, the point I make is I know you love Jesus. Yeah, but yeah. you don't go around. You you know I don't. You're not dancing on top of your car. Yeah, it just feels unnatural now. It mm-hmm. feels uh, like you're. Uh, let's let's just say Judas was the most affectionate of the disciples, <laughs> and and was the most outward about his affection for Jesus by kissing him on the cheek. And he's the one that betrayed him, <laughs> and so he's so that speaks that to me. Paid. Yeah, and it's the same thing with Jill Levine, the the theologian. Uh, someone asked her, "Well, how do you deal with truth?" And she said, "Well, that's Pontius Pilate's question. Mm. I'm not interested in Pontius Pilate's question." Yeah. And so because he did, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that's what he was. Confronted and I was like, with. "My goodness, that's a great response." So I, I feel like. Uh, Maybe the silence serves me better at this time mm-hmm. in my life. Um, unknowing rather than knowing. Uh, there, there's there are two. I don't know if we've talked about it here, but there are in the in the Greek theology, ancient Greek theology. There's there are two words. There's one apophatic and uh, cataphatic, and and those are fancy five dollar words for apophatic. <laughs> The apophatic tradition is there are no words or concepts or ideas that you can approach the sacred and the holy. And it's connected to Judaism's first commandment, which isn't don't cuss. <laughs> that's it, not that's what the one. Say, don't don't use even God's a, yeah, name in vain. Right. Don't even approach this mystery mm. thinking that you know anything. Approach in awe, approach in reverence, approach in silence. 
And, uh, and well, so there's that tradition. And does that kind of connect with the, the idea of um, the, the word Yahweh is actually more of a inhale, exhale yeah. expression of the divine? So, yeah, we were at a conference uh, maybe 10 years ago, and Richard Rohr uh, said he was at a conference, and a Jewish rabbi was speaking. It was on uh, cosmology, I believe, mm. and, and uh, the, the marriage of science and religion, or not necessarily the marriage, but the intersection of mm. those two. And, and this rabbi also was an astrophysicist. <laughs> That's a pretty, some pretty smart guys that Richard Rohr hangs out with. Safe to say that guy is not going to be on this podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> but we appreciate your knowledge, sir. Yeah, he's t- too smart for our blood. Um, but he said, yeah, you, you Christians think uh, the first commandment in Judaism is about not saying God damn it. And mm-hmm. he, and, but it has nothing to do with that. It's nice that you don't do it, but yeah, that's, it's, it's not something. It's courteous. Yeah. But what it really means is the sacred name is your breath. The first mm. Y-H the, and the, is the intake, and then the out-breath is the way. Uh, and you've been speaking the name of your creator from birth mm. at a cellular level. That's the first thing you do. Yeah, exactly. And it's the last thing you do. Yeah. yeah. And so we, yeah, so we almost all fell out of our chairs and started misbehaving um, because we were just blown away. Yeah. If, it, if it was a charismatic Pentecostal conference, we would have stood Started up and yeah, and done the, Ar- the old Arsenio Hall, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the wind half windmill Arsenio Hall move, yeah. uh, and uh, it would have been yeah. So okay, so, so that's apophatic, cataphatic oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. words, music, uh, bodily expressions, dancing. Uh, Ideas, concepts, that kind of thing. So that, so which one is wrong? Well, neither. Neither. Right. Yeah, it's not an either or thing. They, they, in my estimation, they com- complement each other. You need both. Yeah. At different exactly. seasons, or in, both in some seasons, one in another season. Yeah. There's an ebb and flow. There. And when you're in a when you're in a deconstructive phase of your faith and belief system, I'm using those two. Your, you know. Mm-hmm. Re, uh, Simultaneously. So, uh, and if it feels hard to follow for anyone that's listening, if you go and listen to uh, episode 21 and 22, they, yeah. they set up this conversation that we're currently having. Yeah, this is kind of a part two from that, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so, so when you're in a deconstructive mode and you're critiquing everything and you're in a critical thinking kind of mode, uh, the cataphatic is very difficult for you because it does seem empty to you, uh, vocal prayers. Uh, it's, I have a hard time even reading uh, mystics, some mystics from mm-hmm. the Middle Ages. Maybe it's the translations mm-hmm. uh, because the language is too pious. You know, mm-hmm. it's too pie in the sky and flowery and, and whatnot. And so, so the question I'd like to ask you is what, and I think I already know the answer, but what cataphatic way do you worship now? And I guess more specifically, how do you move your body in your day-to-day worship? Yeah, my my main one is is walking in the desert, but that's personal. So I, yeah, you know, I mean, I've taken groups out on walking prayer, walking worship, if you will. Uh, but I, my, I don't have the emotional need anymore to mm-hmm. to shout it out 
as much, you know. Although if I went to a Pentecostal church, you know, I would do it and it would feel good. Well, and I think my point is because I know your walking prayer, just to bring that up in, in the sense of, yeah, you sit in silence. Yeah. But you also move your body a lot in and around your prayer life. Yeah. So as I start off, there's nervous walking. There's there's a nervous energy in the walking. I'm walking at a faster pace mm-hmm. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. My anxieties are working their way throughout my body. There are several times uh, throughout the year where the anxieties and worries and emotions and, and mourning and grieving that I have that I carry will bubble up and I'll fall mm. on the ground in an arroyo somewhere, the sand, hopefully not where there's traffic uh, or someone riding a horse. That's <laughs> or, happened to me, actually. Right, People I, I have bet, come yeah. upon me lying on the ground in the desert. That's happened to me. Uh, you, you're, and I'm crying trying, my eyes out. Trying to explain the horse rider. Like, no, I'm fine. I'm Just keep right. going. I wasn't robbed. <laughs> it's God did this to me. Everything's fine here. God <laughs> has robbed my life. <laughs> tears are just streaming down your yeah, face. To the point where I've lost breath, where I'm actually mm. hyperventilating on the ground crying. Um, and, you know, and so so there's need for that, you mm-hmm. know, and... Um, and so, but these days, yeah, for me, the most cataphatic it gets is probably the Eucharist itself, okay. as far as the greatest expression of worship, which is simply to receive the gift of the body and the blood, the bread and the wine, and to share that with others. Well, I think that goes full circle to what we said earlier about service. Eucharist is Christ serving us. Yeah. The Eucharist means is, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Is Christ feeding us. Yeah. Literally in that in the Eucharist, literally and spiritually. Exactly. Yeah. And it's the original, right? It's mm-hmm. it's the OW, the original worship, because that's that's what Christ instituted mm-hmm. at, at his uh Passover his before his crucifixion, party, so yeah. Because uh, it wasn't really the last supper, it's the first of an eternal supper. Right, because we still have that supper. Eternally, Basically, yeah, every forever. Su- every and Sunday. And I guess priests, Catholic priests, they do the Eucharist every day. Every day, yeah. I think yeah. you taught me that recently. I yeah. didn't realize that, that it was a daily requirement. Yeah, and that's an amazing thought, right? Yeah. When you, when, and it doesn't matter if you're partaking of in a large mega church with the little saltine cracker, tiny little thing, and the pop top. The, the one serve, the it one serve ma- Eucharist. Yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> participated in something that has taken place every day for the last 2,000 years mm. somewhere in the earth in some language. And so that that's an amazing reality to enter into. And I don't know if we've discussed it on here, and we won't go too far into the Eucharist, but um, I can't remember. There was a French priest who is also an archaeologist. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember his name? Or is yeah, this, um, <laughs> am I going to have to fix the intro? <laughs> Chardin. Yes, yes, yes. And he would, because he was an archaeologist, he would sometimes be in the middle of nowhere and he would use like dry noodles or something. Not, uh, water. He would use just water. I think we're confusing oh, okay. two stories. Okay. There's a story in the Armenian genocide. Oh, uh, wow. And and our government is about to finally acknowledge that that genocide took place for the first time. This was mm. during the First World War, and there was a group of uh, Orthodox uh, believers, and they were going off to their deaths, and all they had was dirt and their tears, and they mm. took their last Eucharist that way. 
that's profound. Yeah. Yeah, Tierre would offer up nothing. That's what it was. It was it was a cosmic mm-hmm. mass. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm blanking out on you here. Uh, from the Living School. Uh, Richard Rohr? Not Richard Rohr, but... James Finley. Not James Finley, but... <laughs> um, Cynthia Bourgeau. Cynthia Bourgeau, thank you. She adapted... Uh, Tier Chardin's uh, mass to become a cosmic mass, and and Mm. they've performed it at living school kinds of things, and it's it's really amazing, especially in the era of COVID, where you can't have elements together. Well, you can't, but it's dangerous. Not recommend (laughs) you you right wing evangelicals out there listening. You need to behave yourselves. (laughs) But so, but the original point within this is. You're con- we're connect when anytime we do anytime we participate in Eucharist, the original worship as you as you said a few moments ago, we're connected to each one of these data points. Exactly. With the Armenians going to their death. Yeah. The cosmic mass where no elements are present. Um and what's commonly referred to as the the Last Supper, it all boils down to that one yeah. breaking point in our in our um humanity humanity's history. Exactly. And it's a connect it connects you to the Paschal mystery, which is the the mystery of Jesus' death and resurrection in a simultaneous glory, a mm. simultaneous perpetual reality, which is completely tied to the suffering taking place on the earth mm-hmm. oh, right okay. now, including in your own life. And, and his suffering on the cross is a microcosm of the rest of the world. The suffering that's going on globally. Yeah, I would reverse it. Okay. I would say the suffering of the universe is a microcosm in the side of Christ, uh, the cosmic Christ, that kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, so for me, mm. uh, collective worship. Uh, is now uh, centered on the on the communion, the Eucharist, for me personally. And if there happens to be singing, that's great too. Right. If there doesn't, it, it shouldn't. We were so dependent on someone who was able to lead singing, and uh, and 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 there are pitfalls to all that because then the you have to have a rock band, right. and you have to have this set. And then once you get a rock band, you got to get the. The, the lighting, and then you, right. the next thing you do. The latest um, instruments. Yeah, and yeah. it just gets, you know, it's just it's the same thing with once you once you go cowboy, there's so much, you know, you, <laughs> yeah. you get a cowboy wardrobe, the next thing you have to own a gun. You got to feed, feed that horse twice a day. Yeah, <laughs> and then the next thing you know, you're storming the Capitol, and, you know, you're like, how did I get here? So, yeah, it just becomes too complicated. Um, well, and it's interesting, too, just just from my own perspective. So I didn't grow up in the context of, having a worship band, right? Like most of my early interaction with church is the Catholic situation. Um, but a couple of years ago, I went to a vineyard conference um, and I got to see Donnie Canoy perform. Child mm-hmm. project. Shout, shout out to Donnie, friend yeah. of Desert Rain. Uh, he, he locked him when he was a teenager. He's going to, he's going to, if he hears about this, he's going to be embarrassed. But he, he basically locked himself into a room his bedroom for like two days and he taught himself guitar 
That sounds. That's, that's the Tommy. most. Yeah. If I, if there was a Donnie story to wrap him up in in a few words, that's a, a good yeah. example. Yeah. He was of that. a he was a teenage genius. But to see him perform, uh, there was some of his family members and then just other people from random churches perform together at this conference. Yeah. Worship music. There was something. It caught me off guard. It was something very spiritual about that performance. Yeah. That I had never. Um, it was good music. Yeah. You know, like it was performed really well. And when I think of church music, I don't think of that, you know, so it totally caught me off guard. Yeah. And there was like there was something to moving with the music. And um, that was one of the um, instances because I think the conference was two or three days. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. But there was something enjoying the worship music that weekend that sort of finished. I was already sold on the need to move your body. Right. But. With music, there was it sort of sold. I was completely sold, right? Like I came over, like oh, yeah. okay, I get it now. Um, it took that exper- experiential situation to sort of get it intellectually. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's because it, it's not an intellectual academic endeavor. Is mm-hmm. it? Music isn't about. And so so yeah, that's a good point. So what happened to me in my deconstruction was I started analyzing. The songs, the lyrics, mm. particularly, and I'm a lyric guy anyway. You are love yep. Bob Dylan, and you know it's. I don't listen to Bob Dylan because of the musical quality. Right, well, I don't think anyone does. <laughs> the lyrics. That's another story. I've always been a lyric guy, and I'm I'm very similar like that with music. Yeah, yeah, and and so when you're in a deconstructive part uh, portion of your life or a deconstructive mode, uh, you'll start critiquing uh, the lyrics of the of the songs. And they can be very poor in that mm. way, these, these lyrics. You know, Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. Jesus, you love us. Oh, how we love you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, that's what you got, huh? All right. And uh, But the purpose of music, ultimately, the purpose of, of music is to move mm-hmm. to your body. And, right. and it's to feel emotionally, to feel soul, to feel things that... Uh, you don't have words for. Mm-hmm. And so so that's been able to bring me to revisit it and not academically or, or uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, cynically mm-hmm. uh, analyze the, the lyrics anymore of, of songs. And then there are older hymns that are very rich in lyrics. Uh, you know, uh, come now fount of every blessing. That's a great, mm. some great, just, but musically it's lacking for us anyway, for our, yeah. for those people like me who grew up on pop music. Well, and I think that's one of the interesting things uh, for anyone that's is familiar with Taze or has been to Taze. They do worship three times a day, <sighs> silence for X number of minutes. I don't remember. I think it's 20, but it might be, might be different. And then they go into singing. Um, if you if you didn't know what was going on, you might think it was chanting, but it, it's really singing. Yeah, it's like a choir, right? Like a choir. But it's they don't stand. It's funny because if you're there, they don't stand like a choir. They each have their own. It's it's really hard to, des- to describe. So it's like two brothers are sitting next to each other. Then three feet behind them, there's another two. And it goes back all the way like that. And then there's... There's two columns of two. Hmm. It's really it's a really interesting um, setup, but it's basically they're singing like a choir. Wow! And 
it's an international group. So they sing songs in German yeah. and English and Spanish and Portuguese. So maybe if you go for a week, they'll sing maybe three songs in your native tongue. Wow. But you have the music in front of you, the lyrics in front of you. I don't remember if they give you the music. So you can sing along with them. And so you have hundreds of people now in this room singing a song where a small percentage is, is their native tongue. And man, if that doesn't move you. And then here's yeah. the thing. You can't, you can't analyze the lyrics. Right, exactly. If it's not your native tongue. Exactly. <laughs> You're just trying to keep up with the song. Yeah. And it there's something that wells or I guess I can't speak for other people. There's something that welled up in my heart in that and still to this day it's going to sound so corny, but the German term for uh for Holy Spirit, Heilgeist, mm. which literally translate to uh Holy Ghost. Mm. When we were singing that, <laughs> I don't know German. You know, I had to I had to go research what where Heigelgeist even came from. Okay, but singing Heigelgeist was I don't I don't know why it was so moving, but it's it was an interesting. Yeah, it's thing. powerful. Um, I've had the same experience. With, I prefer to listen to monastic chant in mm-hmm. Latin because it does my analytical mind. Mm-hmm. It doesn't isn't allowed to you know. Do its thing, part, yeah. and I'm able to to be accessed, if you will, by the spirit in a, in a deeper way, and not just on an emotional level. At this point, you know where I'm, because that, because that's what the other is. You know, is, is you're pouring out your emotions and mm. and working out your anxieties and that kind of thing. So, uh, sort of continuing this this theme of of worship. Someone that's maybe in that deconstruction phase, right? Or they're they're in yeah. that that phase of of perplexity. And so we're we've kind of talked about our own personal experiences, but what what kind of um, suggestions or maybe direction you might point someone in, even if it's like a general direction of uh, now what with worship, right? Yeah. Like I had this this group where we you know had a rock band and we would sing songs that maybe have not so great lyrics but you know and so you're in this cynical spot yeah it's like okay yeah those things might be true but sort of what what north star might you or north stars i guess it's not a good good comparison but might you point someone in for them to rediscover reconstruct worship but but something that that fits their uh, their essence, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, I I can speak for myself. I, I don't know. For me, the charismatic, I believe it matured or evolved mm-hmm. into the contemplative. Okay. So, and, and I think it's a natural, even though they don't look like mm-hmm. they're connected, I, I think it's a natural evolution, a natural maturity. Uh so it's not something you could necessarily, it's not like a, a three-step program to get to to this matured. Yeah, because there might be people who, and there's people that tell me they they still, silence scares them. Mm. They, don't, they don't enjoy being silent. And, uh, and of course, if you're in a deconstructive phase, then that's exactly what you should, you're already uncomfortable. 
Mm. You're already you you already feel dispossessed. Right. So I would say push through and try silence. Uh, maybe not go wholeheartedly and go into a retreat where you're floating yeah, don't on. Jump, don't yeah. jump into a 10-day silent meditation <laughs> well, <yeah>. retreat. <laughs> I can tell you that from experience. <laughs> floating in a saltwater tank in darkness. <laughs> for several hours. <laughs> for several hours. Don't do that, you know. Maybe 20 uh, minutes. <laughs> you know, we, we did something today. Uh, accidentally, we could call it a... So we, we did our centering prayer for 20 minutes outside. Mm-hmm. And it was basically praying with dogs. Mm. <laughs> so dogs, uh, you know, sniffing their butts and... Uh, Making dog noises around you, uh, which makes you, which makes me grateful, because that takes away from the sound of my own stomach uh, mm. gurgling and right. whatever during the or my loud uh, breathing. Yeah. yeah. So, so learn, you know, go so with silence. a group. Yeah, but do it outside. You know. Mm. Uh, oh, well, I live in a city. Well, even better. Uh, yeah. It's a good place to find a park. Yeah. And you'll hear all the little kids running around. Exactly, and, and just sit honking. still. Um, don't analyze it to see if you're doing it well. Yeah, the the yeah. point is not to do it well or to do it poorly. It doesn't. That's irrelevant. That's a that's a total uh, QAnon, if you will, to use a culturally relevant. <laughs> that's a QAnon rabbit hole. You're just never going to come out of that. Yeah. Uh, whether you you practice silence uh, well or not, you know. And you're going to do the the other side of that coin is you're going to do that anyways. Exactly. Your and, analytical mind is going to start judging yeah. it, and it's. Push through that as well. Yeah, and that's why the twenty. That's why it's recommended twenty minutes, because then the sediment of your, of your critique and your analytical mind and your what and your list that you have to do, maybe if you do a twenty minute sit, maybe that sediment settles to the bottom. Maybe the last couple of seconds of the right. twenty minutes, you get, you get a good five seconds on a, on yeah. a really good day, so to speak, quote unquote good day. Exactly, and and so. So that that's uh, that's what I would recommend. Uh, well, and so just just to go back to that, to the one of the best stories I ever heard around that was actually uh, from a, a Buddhist. Uh, I don't know if he he is a monk, but he might be a priest as well. Uh, Thich Nhat Han. Oh yeah, yeah. He once he once Vietnam. Told, yeah, yeah. He once told a story about he had made fresh apple juice for all the kids that were visiting the monastery. And so he poured them all a glass and and four of the five kids grabbed their glass and ran off and was drinking and joining. There was one kid, because it had just been poured, the apple juice looked cloudy. Mm. And the little kid's like, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. And he's like, no, it's, it's, there's fine. It just, it's yeah. fresh apple juice. That's what it looks like. And so the kid refused to take it. And so he went back to sitting and came back whatever, an hour later, and all the set sentiment had settled, uh, and now it was crystal clear apple juice again. Amber, golden, beautiful. And the little kid <laughs> came by and, and was excited to drink it at that point. And so I think that's that's sort of a, a relative thing. Is like if you sit long enough, consistent enough, blah, 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 it'll that sentiment will rest yeah. sooner, but it still might only last – a second, yeah. two seconds. You know, you never even after years of meditation. There's days where I don't even get. Yeah. I, I get a millisecond of that. Yeah, maybe, and you're not even analyzing that. Yeah, and at this point, it doesn't matter. You're guessing. You know, you're, yeah, you're sitting for the sake of sitting. At this point, you yeah. just do it anyways. And there's there's different sayings. Uh, the desert fathers and mothers, you know, from these anchorites, they're called. Uh, 
They're the ones that went out and are still there in monasteries mm-hmm. and in caves and in the Egyptian Sinai desert. Um, and and so there, you know, a visitor would come and ask the group of monks, you know, who's the who's the holiest of all of them, of all of you guys, you know, and gals, and uh, and uh, they'd say, oh well, uh, they left a long time ago. They they tend to garden in the city now. And so, in other words, they're over it. Yeah, you know, yeah, they, yeah. they've deconstructed and reconstructed, right. and now they're in the city they're with a, with a garden. Or, yeah, they're or they're or a baker. baker yeah, sell something. Wash dishes. <laughs> and so maybe that's what you need to do: is go. What is your garden in the city? Mm-hmm. Uh, go do that. Uh, you know. Yeah. So, so actually, that's yeah. Let's 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 break that down a little bit more. Of um, whether it's a hobby. Or what you know, whatever that might look. Because so, so silence is one thing we can recommend to people that are in this place of questioning worship. Yeah. Um, what What is it within doing gardening? Since that was the one you brought up, but we you can replace gardening, I think, with any hobby. Right. Yeah. Possibly or a chore. What What is it about that? That brings you to this place of worship. And when I say you, I mean, you know, the People. general, yeah, the yeah. general you. But from your experience, what is it about tending to something? Yeah, I think it's deeply spiritual. You're bringing something to life in this world. You're bringing something good. Uh, and it's and it's doing it on its own, you know. Mm. It's, you plant this thing and then this living thing comes out of it. And it's an amazing thing to watch and to tend for and to care for. It puts you outside. So, so most of the time, you know, right. unless you're in a greenhouse or indoor garden. Uh, for you kids out there growing weed. Uh, <laughs> Cultivating marijuana. Legalized Legally here now. in New Mexico. <laughs> we can talk soon about to be, it now. Soon to be legal, I guess. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and then and then to be able to share the, the your tomatoes, mm. give them away to other people. Uh, it's a powerful exchange. Well, even even just here at Desert Rain, the uh, Stacy, yeah, and her her family, Boot and their kids, have been cultivating a little garden and yeah. they have chickens and yeah, and even then just hand, like last week when Stacy handed me, she's like, "Hey, you want an egg? Yeah, yeah, take an egg." And I was like, "Yeah, of course." There's 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 a connectedness there. Yeah, that wasn't there five seconds prior. Exactly of of gifting your or gifting a produce uh, yeah. product of your contemplation, but it's not even about the product. No. That, that's why I was hesitant to use that word. Yeah, whatever the gift yeah, is. Whatever. Yeah. New whatever Mexico pecans are very popular mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. So we like to give the gift of our nuts to one another <laughs> here in New Mexico. We're always uh, sharing nuts. <laughs> or chilies too, you know. Uh, hatch chilies are, are well known here in New Mexico. And I think I think one of the things to point out, and this this is more my two cents, but if you're if you're looking to do this, if you're in that process of deconstruction or reconstruction, and you're like, oh, I'm going to pick up a hobby, try to avoid introducing a hobby where you're going to be multitasking. The point of introducing this in the contemplative life is when you're doing it, allow yourself to fully be doing it. So Mm. if you're gardening, 
allow yourself, you know, put down your phone, you know, let yourself garden for 30 minutes oh, or an hour yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. I know for me last year, um, one of the, one of your contemplative things at Desert Rain is, is mowing, mowing the lawn, mowing the grass. Yeah. And last year after your surgery, uh, I, I don't know why. So most guys are cutting down trees the day after their heart surgery. Yeah, that's what Just you Just ask hear. them about it. They're playing rugby the next day. My Just old man, he played rugby. Yeah. But so for a season last year, I, I had uh, stepped up to do the, the mowing. And it was very interesting Sometimes I would listen to podcasts and sometimes I wouldn't. And it was just very interesting when I, I didn't have the podcast in my ears and I was just in the backyard, you know, going going north and south, north and south, you know, mowing the lawn as, as one does, how you just get sucked in to what you're doing in that moment. And I'm not criticizing, like the times I listened to podcasts, it, you know, it was just as good, right. but my mind was focused on trying to learn the information that was coming in my ears, yeah. you know, and the mowing was sort of a, a side activity. Exactly. So if you're, if you're really looking to worship through a hobby or through connecting with nature, allow yourself to be in that hobby. Yeah. Even if it's for 10 minutes. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Part of contemplation is, is focusing on, if you're sitting in silence, just be silent. If you're doing a hobby, yeah, do the hobby. Um, so those are sort of a couple sort of practical things to throw out there. Is there is there anything else you could kind of point to of the same vein? Yeah, there's people in urban areas that are bird watchers. You know, mm. you have to be quiet to watch a bird. I would. Just, I've never gone out with them. I'm not a bird watch. I've never been invited uh, to do that. But they. I guess I have to the Bosque, uh, okay. You know the kind of a up wetland, north, and, yeah. But uh, from here, yeah. But I had to get up too early. I didn't go. <laughs> yeah, early morning events. <laughs> yeah, I tend to miss. Uh, but I think even the rhythm of washing dishes. If you don't mm. have a dishwasher like we do, uh, like we don't, um, you can get into a, a mode, a rhythm. Um, I get into the zone. I like cooking with. Uh, I like to to get busy in the kitchen and listen to seventies. Uh, cheesy rock music and mm. singer songwriter music, um, and it puts me in a in a in a, in sort a of zone. A zen, a zen yeah, state exactly. Is, yeah. Um, a flow state. So feel to connected, speak. that kind of thing. Yeah. So there's there's all kind. You know, artists do this all the time mm -hmm. in their drawing. I, th I think that's I notice a lot of the like Van Gogh, for example, would paint the same thing over and over and over oh, and yeah. over and over again. I think it's a contemplative act with a little bit of our tendency to be OCD, uh, you know, you're putting the world straight again mm -hmm. by painting the same sunflower 50 times with, and, and with slightly all, different. And through all the different life cycles. Yeah. And all the different angles. Exactly. And so, so artists do this all the time. Musicians do this. Mm -hmm. um, but for the rest of us, yeah, do the dishes. Well, I, I think too, so I think that that sort of points back to a bigger, uh, a bigger theme is to like know yourself. Yeah. Like do the research on yourself, figure out what connect, what puts you in that flow state, what puts you yeah. in that Zen state. Um, and I, I knew a woman 
very probably when when I first started this walk of of the spiritual life, so to speak, uh, just really looked up to her her centeredness and her uh, outlook on life. And one of the things she would talk about, because she would talk about it half joking, but there was definitely some truth in it, was she would play solitaire. Yeah, and there yeah. was something about shuffling Video the games. cards. No, she did it with actual oh, physical. Okay. Yeah, you know, shuffling yeah. the cards and 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 being uh, mindful, intentional, flipping yeah, exactly. each one, um, and sit, you know, you set up the 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 game or whatever, and and just she said, you know, it it was an accident that she came up. Yeah, she was working it. her anxieties out. Yeah, and, and doing that. And it was one of her go tos later in life. It becomes prayer. That's mm-hmm. what that. Mm-hmm. And so. I guess that would be got to have a call to action. (laughs) So for all our listeners out there that are deconstructing or reconstructing, if you haven't found that thing, uh, one, don't beat yourself up about it. No. But I would, you know, I would uh, hope that you would continue looking because you never know what activity around the corner might, might do it. And you might have one that's worked for five years and, and one day you wake up and it's, it's different. It changes. Yeah, allow it to change. Yeah. And I was just thinking uh, one of our own members here, Deanna Steele, uh, when we practice silence together, we'll often uh, we'll bring her knitting mm. stuff and we'll do that during yeah, yeah. the silence because she needs something tactile to work with. That, yeah. That's a rosary. That becomes a rosary is what that does. You exactly. Know? Um, sometimes when I'm sitting, when we sit during the day, I'll use my fingers as rosary beads and Mm. And uh, if my mind is too anxious, you mm-hmm. know, and I want to go through some sort of mental prayer at the same time until my mind settles to quiet, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's all kinds yeah, of yeah. It's it's infinite. Uh, a way infinite to put it memory. is, and I don't mean to be controversial, but maybe I'm just going to throw this yeah, out go, here. Yeah, this is just off the top of my head. Um, maybe your need to no longer sing worship so much. Uh, has come not so much because of a deconstruction, but because your life has become worship. Mm. And and so now it's just the, everything is a spiritual practice for you. And it's just that doesn't get celebrated in a in an organized church where they need your attendance and right. need you participating. Yeah. Uh, but maybe make peace with that, you know. And, uh, you know, two people that have been married a long, long time together don't need to have a lot of words anymore. Mm. And so, so it is with God and the soul. Uh, there's not a lot of conversation that needs to take place at, at a certain point. And, and maybe that's what your deconstruction is, is pointing toward. And those that, that sing the loudest often are, you know, they're faking it till they make it. Um, Which is necessary. That's part of the, yeah, that's they, part of the journey. Yeah, too. where are we to judge? So if they need to yeah. fake it till they make it. Now, if they start putting it on, on you that you are somehow less than or whatever, then uh, then you could tell them that they're just faking it till they make it. <laughs> right. <laughs> or you go find a group that will affirm you, mm-hmm. uh, which there are, they're out there, you know. And, um, and so another, and then maybe another way to say it is, in the grace of God, uh, a practice will find you. Mm-hmm. A spiritual practice will find you. You think you found it, solitaire, but it mm-hmm. found you. you know, you're doing solitaire. Yeah. Uh, but it found you. Uh, and then so you keep that that practice and you keep it and you're faithful to it and you keep it. And then before long you realize 
the practice is now keeping you. Mm. And, and so, so you're practicing interior silence in the middle of a massive crisis in your life that hits. Uh, when that phone call comes, when that announcement is made, whatever it is, you know, there's an interior silence because your practice is now keeping you. So that's been my experience. Right. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it becomes a deep anchor in those times of chaos or tragedy yeah. or mourning. Those, those practices then become an anchor yeah. um, during those, those windy times, so to speak, those rough seas that are, that are certainly ahead at some point. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and I think for me uh, to sort of continue on that or in that same uh, realm of there is something, the practice will find you, but there is something also important about seeking the practice. Yeah. Trying this, or at least for me, trying this, nah, that doesn't really work. Trying that, nah, it doesn't really. Okay, this is this is working for a bit. And it's like, oh, well, I remember this other practice. Maybe if I form them together, you know, and that's, I mean, for me, that's really what has brought me back to Christianity. I know we talked about it um, on one of the episodes, but, you know, I did New Age stuff for a while. I did Buddhist mm-hmm. stuff for a while. I, you know, I went to Quaker church. You know, I went to back to Catholic Church for a while, you know, and, and all those things, all of that seeking has brought me here to this moment where um, the 20 minute, you know, I feel called to do the 20 minute silence that we do at noon. It's what you've settled into. Yeah, I, I feel called to to participate in the Eucharist, um, you know, the rosary type praying, Um reciting whether it's the Hail Mary or the Lord's Prayer or yeah. uh, uh, the Jesus Prayer from the Orthodox tradition, you know, and, and sort of finding those things, um, you know, and 10 years from now, those things might not work for me. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to keep, I, well, God willing, uh, I stay alive and yeah, exactly. this desire to continue to seek stays in my bones because um, I'm very grateful for that. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we did another one, my friend. All right. We're one coming, topic. Coming up on an hour. Uh, we have a, a tiny bit of time, so I don't know. Do you feel good about uh, the things that we covered around worship? Was there anything else that uh, you felt we might have left out? Uh, there, there is one thing that I thought okay, of yeah, let's... Uh, that came to mind. Uh, there's, there's an author, uh, practitioner named Peter Rollins. He's from mm. Northern Ireland, I believe. Um or, or Dublin, maybe. I, I forget which city. But uh, but he wrote a book called The Idolatry of God, and his premise fits well with this feeling of when, when you're deconstructing worship, your worship experience. And his premise is, is that we in the church have uh, looked at God as someone or something that can satisfy our desires. Interesting. When, the, when perhaps the Paschal mystery, the death and resurrection is calling us to live in the unresolved mm. satisfaction of our des- desires. And so his thing is, is that pop songs in the Western world are all about that, this, this, this uh, satisfaction of having my love fulfilled. Yeah, yeah. And, and so we've just basically in the church have taken those same pop songs and that same premise and we've turned it toward God. And he uses a brilliant metaphor, which is we, maybe I've mentioned it before, uh, 
and so so all the world is a uh, uh, what do you uh, a snack machine, you know? Uh, okay, a vending machine. A vending machine. Yeah, there yeah, you yeah. go. So so everything that's available to you is in that vending machine. Uh, mm-hmm. So you you can pursue wealth, you can pursue fame, you can pursue all these things that will somehow give you satisfaction, and his. His critique is, is that the church has put God in the vending machine. God is another product that you can get out of. And, and the, real, the real aim is to get some sort of satisfaction. And it shows up most prevalently in our worship uh, in what we do there. And so, um, so maybe someone in, in a deconstructive phase is no longer looking at God as an object Right. No longer not, objectifying God. They realize God's not in the vending machine. Exactly. God yeah. is not a product uh, in the vending machine. And and that could be disorienting. Yeah, that could be scary. Uh, when you do that. But it's a necessary pathway to moving forward in faith. Uh, and, and maybe that's why singing uh, in the way that, that contemporary church does no longer, uh, why it seems so empty now. Because God is not, you're, you're not objectifying God in that sense. Empty anymore. for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's empty. As we've said, it's still, that singing and worship still works for, for people. Absolutely. As they, as they walk through this. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, and on that same sort of token of, of pursuing God as a product, um, we've, we've covered it in a sort of an overarching, but those times that I looked into going to seminary and stuff mm. like that, the deeper I got into researching it, the more it felt too similar to when I decided to pursue accounting wow. as my undergraduate, because that was going to be a, a path to, um, to wealth yeah. You know, maybe not some great wealth, right? But I saw my grandfather live very comfortably as an accountant. And I was like, oh, I want a piece of that. And so fast forward to when I started looking into seminaries several years later, at some point it was like, I feel like I'm just pursuing God in a in a for me it felt like an inauthentic way. Mm, yeah. And so that's why I never pulled the trigger on that on that path. Uh-huh. Or that formal path, I guess. Right, I'm right. still pursuing yeah. God in, in a very serious and, and daily thing, but it, it just it's very different than the seminary yeah. blueprint, so to speak. Which is nothing. We need priests. We need fathers. We need, we need seminarians. The yeah. yeah, we need we need intellectuals in the in the uh, different faiths. So you know, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> See, <laughs> or so I've been told. <laughs> so uh, beautiful. Mr. David Morrison, I uh, appreciate Thank your you, insight. Um, we we focused on worship. We didn't really touch on evangelism much, uh, like we talked about early on. So we'll we'll punt that yeah. to a, to another episode. The next pillar. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll climb that. And uh, once again, if there's anything that resonated, there's plenty of books, plenty of audio books, plenty of. Uh, online uh, videos, podcasts, things of that nature. So please pursue those um, as you, as if you're in a space, if you feel like you're in a place of perplexity, if you feel like you're in a place of deconstruction or trying to figure coming out the other side and um, trying to build something anew for your faith, uh, for your worship, um, please pursue that. Uh, I think it's an important 
for me, it's been an important pursuit. So, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. We appreciate you. If you if you like if you like this episode, please share it with a friend, um, either word of mouth or out there on the good old fashioned social media. So, yeah, mucho take it easy. Mucho take it easy. Good night.